I think the one thing I can say to this media, because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me. We don't have our full roster. Y'all know. I think the one thing I can say to this media, because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me. We don't have our full roster. Y'all know we don't have our full roster. Stop asking me stupid questions about if I feel like I can do something. If I had my roster like they did, then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, and 19-year-olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all right all. Well, there you go. Hardaway? No, that was Lon Kruger. Lon <laughs> is uh, very upset right now, okay? Uh, I would have loved an outburst like that from Kruger. Just I, If Lon Kruger would have ever had any type of outburst anywhere close to that, I the whole place would have just been like, okay, yeah, okay, coach. <laughs> Just, Terrible question, John Hoover, but uh, yeah, guys are playing hard. Uh, you continue to come after me, but uh, got a lot of uh, 17, uh, 14, uh, 12 year old guys out here playing against uh, 23, 24 year old guys, but uh, I uh, don't appreciate the tough question. Uh, trying to play hard out here, but uh, uh, quit asking me tough questions, John. <laughs> yeah, that's what it would sound like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Penny Hardaway's not happy with his team right now at Memphis. Or no, I'm not happy with the line of questioning. Right. From the Memphis media, and I, I guess say. I don't know what the what the line of questioning has been. Um, they've got issues, I guess, injuries, having to play some youngsters, and they're digging in out there. Why aren't they better? So I don't know. It it's a tough spot to be in because you you want to say that. You know, obviously you've got to get better. You've you got to improve, but you know he's getting paid a lot of money, and that's probably where the questions are coming in, or where they're where they start with. But you know, you, there's not a whole lot you can say to make anyone like feel any better in the article. It's just you know we're having some struggles playing young guys, trying to find our way through it. it, it you're not really going to get. The problem is, is whenever you come out like this, it typically makes reporters just double down, right? Yeah. Because yeah, totally. the reaction is big, and everyone clicks the article to see what was said, and then it's like, "Hey, look at all the look at all the clicks this article got. Let's let's continue to push him and see see if we can get him to blow up on us again." I am interested to see how uh, Brent Vittables is with the media during the season on a week-in, week-out basis. Uh, Muleshoe was really guarded. You didn't get a whole lot of information out, injury news. <laughs> I mean, LOL on that one. Good luck trying to find it out. Brent just seems like he only knows being honest and upfront with things, and there is a certain way you have to go about things as a head coach. I'm going to guess it's a it's a totally different approach at press conference than, than what it has been. Right. I don't know that. That's just a guess, but right. that's, that would be my assumption here. Well, I think, and, and a lot of people know this, this isn't some big, um, 
this isn't a, a huge revelation out there that's going to have people saying, wow, but way too much of injury stuff and who's playing and who's not, way too much is made of that, in my opinion, by coaches. It usually doesn't have a massive effect on a game plan one way or another. You're almost always still going to continue to do, by and large, what you've done up to that point, right? But coaches always withhold it because they don't have to tell anyone, and since they don't have to tell anyone, they typically don't. Like If we don't need to give any information to our opponent, let's not do it. So I think there's there's always been like a, a balance there. And I'll be interested to see how he approaches that, that type of stuff as well. But anytime you've ever – and frankly, there's there hasn't been a whole lot of media interaction with him. No, Coordinators really don't get a whole heck of a lot. I mean, they do, but not nearly as much as, as the head coach, obviously. So – I will be interested to see how those go because he's typically really long-winded on a question. So that Tuesday press conference, they may get three questions in during the allotted Maybe, hour. Maybe, yeah. Or long it oh, goes. and dude, you, you wouldn't. I mean, I you actually know, but the fights—it's almost like a status thing of what order that you get to ask the questions. The media. Uh, during a press conference, if some of these guys don't get to ask questions anymore in the Monday press conference, ooh, buddy, there's going to be some feelings hurt over there. Yeah, nope, um, that's true. I'm also curious, and we've talked about this, but like what he does with any type of availability, any type of open practice, if if he does anything like that, or if he kind of continues what's been the policy here for a while of being really closed off, you know, so. Aren't they trying to raise some money for <laughs> Turnip Seeds' new deal? Uh, I I don't know how much you could say opening a practice or two would mean in donation dollars, but it certainly wouldn't hurt now, uh, would that's, it? Well, that's true. Just saying. That's true. Uh, yeah, I I think if, if anyone would ever ask me what I thought of something like that, I would say that I think during spring and early training camp, there's a benefit to opening some practice up and letting people feel like they're uh, yeah. a closer part yeah. of the program. I look whether you how many games you win is not going to positively or negatively impact uh, it, it, you know the season if you open up one or two practices. It's right. just not, I mean I think that. It's a kind of a weird year for it because when you have new systems going in at a major university and people are going to be like craving to see what kind of stuff you're going to run, like what are you going to come out with? Like it, what is, what is Lebby going to do differently than he did at Ole Miss whenever he's at Oklahoma? Uh, what is Venables going to do different defensively at Oklahoma than he did at Clemson? Like there's going to be teams that are really wanting that information, right? Yeah. So. With that, it's probably not a great year for it, but 
I think it'd be I think it'd be overall something that would be uh, a big benefit. Definitely a uh, summer topic, a, an off season topic that I'm curious to get your response because I think it's Alan Patrick, and I thought it's been Alan Patrick for a while. I'll read a few comments we have on the Twitter page too. When you think of most underrated Sooner, who's the first name that comes to mind? Who's the first name that comes to mind for you? First name that comes to mind for most underrated Sooner. We've been all over the board today. Which, uh, let me read this one to you. Sean Sean made a really good point. Cedric Jones, and he says it's oh, not even yeah. arguable. No, it's uh, true. OU's all-time sacks leader, number five overall draft pick, made major financial donation, and today's majority of OU fans don't even know he exists. He's right on all those. And the, the last one is unfortunately true in a lot of ways, but that's – it that it that that one's hard to ignore. Yeah. And he's I think is he still with the Rams now? Cedric Jones? Yeah. Like as a player or as a coach? He was like a he was personnel like a scout. Okay, I was about to say that no, he's not a player. I think he was a I think he was an NFL scout, like scouting the NFL talent. But I'm not exactly sure, but he was he was working for the Rams just a, a year or two ago, so I don't know what he's doing now. I haven't seen him in a while. But de- that is definitely one right there. Who wh- who comes to your mind? I always gravitate towards guys that I played with and guys that I think were fantastic players that you don't hear a lot about. Now, I can't make a claim that these guys are – some of like the best ever, but I think they're guys that like Jonathan Jackson played a yeah. ton of football at OU during a really good period as a defensive end and was fantastic. And his, you just don't hear a whole lot about his name thrown out there. Had um, a defensive score against Texas in uh, 03. Yep. Um, I think, I think Lance Mitchell and he was unbelievable, had a knee surgery that, that set him back, but still came in and played unbelievable football as, as a backer. Um, I Let's see. I'm trying to think of like offensively from your era. Um, who you're, Could you say Andre Woolfolk as a wide receiver was a, a little bit underrated? You could say you know? Andre Woolfolk from every aspect. Yeah, but he was at least a first-round draft pick, and I think that people consider him like if you're talking about corner in the Stoops era, like you're you're going with Wolf pretty quickly, you know. Right. But people do tend to forget just you know how good he was as a wide receiver early on in his career. He was awesome. Yeah, go watch uh, 2000 and 2001 like highlight reels of those seasons and. Like some of the biggest play was he there in O two also? Uh, was he a wide receiver in O no, two? No, was he at OU and yeah, what was his? Wolfolk, yeah, O2? yeah, 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 yeah. He he was always everywhere, everywhere, just totally instrumental in those teams. Whenever he was there, a massive part of of the team. And yeah, he was a first round pick, but I don't know. Does he get the the conversation that he deserves? I I don't know. Um. Really, from your era offensively, the answer is Quentin Griffin. Now, we, yeah. all, we all remember Q. I mean, no doubt. When you think of the 2000 team, you think of him. But if we were going to do – and, like, forget, like, all-time 
OU football history, if we were to do it since the Stoops era, like we all recognize that Q was a great player, but I think he'd get disrespected in the conversation. You throw out Adrian Peterson first. You throw out DeMarco Murray first. You throw out maybe even guys like Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. He'd kind of be an afterthought in the conversation. He wouldn't get the respect he deserves, but if you talk about a dude that showed up week in and week out, Quentin Griffin, there is no doubt about it. Did he have, like, was it 11 or 12 straight 100-yard games or something? Something crazy like that. And the total number of touchdowns that he scored against Texas in his career, which, what, he had six in 2000? I counted him up this offseason for something, and it was like, dang! Yeah. a dude, like, feasted against UT. Yep. Yep. He's, he's, he's a beast, and... Man, some of his highlights of his shaking him shaking some guys in the open field is just is funny. And the always the question is always what would have happened if they didn't weren't forced to burn that red shirt in ninety nine, right? Well, there's a couple what ifs with uh with running backs there because we were talking about uh, Alan Patrick earlier. Yeah. That was my most underrated, and someone was saying, dude, Demon Parker greater than Alan Patrick. Oh, sure. and, that, and that's fine. DeMond yep. Parker was awesome. But I'm talking about what ifs here. If DeMond Parker you know, comes back for that 99 season, do they go to a national championship or anything? Probably not. But he may add one to two wins for you that season, potentially. Yeah. He was that good. No, he was. And a lot of those games were really close, too, in, in 99. Um, I think any time you you talk about underrated players usually like offensive linemen don't get talked about enough um but we know how big their impact is and sometimes it's hard to single out any one or two guys whenever it comes to offensive line but we've had so many good offensive linemen that have come through here that you could throw any number of those guys names in there um what about here's a guy that just Overall impact? Does Blake Bell get the recognition? No, absolutely not. Now, he is one of the fan favorites of that kind of time period, there's no doubt, and people still root for Blake Bell. But to change to a totally different position, man, change to tight end and still be a factor in the league and and, you know, be a contributor on one of the best offenses in, in all the NFL and still was a highly productive quarterback in college, I mean... The, the the win at Notre Dame was was massive, but the biggest game that he had a quarterback was in that 2013 Bedlam game when OU was a 10-point dog, and he comes in cold off the bench, the third quarterback off the bench, and leads a huge victory, man. Mm-hmm. So, no, he's beloved around here, and he always will be, but does he get the credit he deserves as a football player? Probably not. In that five-year time span, Teddy, if you're just talking about, like, football players, man, who was some of the best – Blake Bell's right there at the top of the list. He could do a multitude of things. Yep. No, he he was he was a fan favorite. And, and what he did with the Belldozer, obviously, well, when they were struggling in short yardage. And packages. that's huge. And that's how like massive impact in football games, uh, first downs, moving the chains, uh, scoring touchdowns. Uh, his touchdown to carry ratio has to be one of the best in college football history. Seriously, I mean, he is. If you want to talk about a Swiss Army knife. An OU player that's been a Swiss Army knife. He was great as a quarterback throwing the ball, especially when he had to be. The short yardage sets, um, getting adapting to being a tight end in 2014. Like, are you kidding me? He he did it all when he was here. I'll tell you another one, and 
this one is he's he's super well known, but I still don't think he gets the uh, the like the credit that he deserves, and is he's not as well known as he should be. Kelly Gregg, mm-hmm. that dude is an absolute stud. Was a beast at Oklahoma. Was a beast in the NFL forever. He's like, whenever he was at OU, he's like, he's one of. I think he was close to leading the team in tackles one year as a nose guard. Yeah. Well, I look crazy. There, it, I'm, the underrated. There's no right answer. Here. Like, there's no one answer that sticks out above the rest. Just because there's been so many great players, right? But a good way to go mm-hmm. is to go to a lot of those guys in the '90s because. There was still individual talent there that was was really really good. Throwing a Stephen Alexander, right? Yep. Um, yep. Second round draft pick, ended up being a Pro Bowler once in his career. You know, I think it was ninety. Was it ninety seven? They played a game at Tech. Maybe it was the last game of the year. And I remember watching that old uh, John Blake playback show with my grandpa. And some of the catches that Steven Alexander made in that game, like we make a big deal out of the Andre Wolfolk catch in 2000 and some of the other ones. But if you go back and watch that, it's like, dude, like as a tight end, like forget as a wide receiver, as a tight end, uh, Steven Alexander was making yeah. like some circus catches back then. He was. You know, catches that now you're like, whoa, that's Sports Center top 10. Yeah. Um, I, got, I got one for you, and. I'm not sure like kind of where he falls. I think he gets he gets quite a bit of of respect, but is it enough? Jo- Joaquin Iglesias. Yep, someone uh got very angry on Twitter today and was like, Come on, Joaquin Iglesias. He would have been the leading wide receiver for maybe OU's greatest offense ever in two thousand and eight, right? Yeah. Yep. Um here's how the career receptions Go. Um, Ryan Broyles is one. Shepard, two. Mark Clayton, three. Kenny Stills, four. Joaquin Iglesias, number five. Do you think when we had the conversation of who's the greatest wide receiver at OU, I feel like it's far too limited to Mark Clayton, CeeDee Lamb, Sterling Shepard, and Ryan Broyles. And those four were great, no doubt. And maybe those are one, two, three, and four in no particular order. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we don't consider a guy like Joaquin Iglesias or Malcolm Kelly or some of the other names that are out there. I feel like we just are – there's a wall around everyone else, and it – well, no, it has to be Clayton, Lamb, Shep, or Broyles. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think that that is it's, – it, it's still a, a pretty legit list whenever I'm sitting here scrolling through all these OU records for – receptions, receiving yards and all of that stuff. It is it's it's pretty clear that's the it's the same kind of group of guys there together. Let me throw one at you. Um Trent Smith. Yeah. He is played a ton of football in his career, man. Yep, he's number 1 in receptions as a tight end in in a career with 164 had had 16 touchdowns which is uh, behind Gresham and Andrews, but 
pretty dadgum good and caught some big-time touchdowns for yep. Oklahoma down the stretch in the 2000 season. 2000 season all the way to the 2002 season. He yep. had a big catch against Texas in that uh, 02 game. So, yeah, all, all throughout his career, he was a huge part of the offense. Yep. 100%. That's right. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Stay with us. Hour to the rush on a football Friday brought to you by Cavens Construction. They offer remodeling, roofing, water restoration, and facilities maintenance. Cavens Facility Maintenance serves all of Oklahoma and can help take the ease off of your staff, but fixing those pesky problems in your office building. Call Cavens Construction today. Tulsa, they're here to serve you. 918-282-7612. OKC Metro Area 405-573-3048. Some college football news and notes. Derek Mason, it looks like he is not coming back to Auburn, which probably means he's soon going to be announced at Oklahoma State. Not not a good sign for the Brian Harson era out there. Uh, I think they went seven and six this year, and the fact that the defensive coordinator was seemingly trying to get out of town it's not the best look after year one. Yeah, um, that's kind of interesting. I'm I don't know what to make of I don't know what to make of of how that kind of uh, of how that's going to go down there at Auburn. Not, I don't have a great feel after Harson's first year. I right? have a really good feel. You it's, do? it's not going to go well at all. Think, really? You know, hmm. in, in that league right now, it's it's stacked, man. I mean, it is it is really stacked, and Alabama's not going to slow down anytime soon. Now you've got to deal. Look, do I think A and M's going to get over the hump in terms of winning a natty? No, but do they have probably the best collection of talent that maybe they've ever had in program history? Maybe, and, and, and that really means something. Um, LSU feels really good about their hire. Arkansas is on an uptick right now. It's just it's so tough to break through if you've been down a couple of years, and I don't think he's the guy to, to get it turned around there. Yeah, you may be right. Um, it could be a, a quitty, pretty quick recycling of, of head coach there. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Would you like to – have an opportunity to prove how smart you are? Uh, it's Friday, 4.30. Yeah, sure. Why not? Since I'm, I've been just been looking around trying to figure out who some of the most underrated players are for Oklahoma, do you know who Oklahoma's all-time uh, career touchdown leader is? Not at one single position, just like – Overall. Oh, huh. Now, I'll give – would you like a hint? Sure, I yeah, I love hints. This guy is also the kickoff return average for a career leader. Well, when I I, I immediately went to running backs, 
And then when I think of special teams plays with running backs, I think of Joe Washington. So I guess that'll be my final answer. Joe Washington, career touchdowns, is number eight with Mm. 43. Steve Owens. Steve Owens is number two. Yeah, I was going to guess an old running back, that's for sure. With 57 career touchdowns. The, the number one overall has 65 career touchdowns. And this guy is also the kickoff return average leader for a career. DeMarco? Yes! Who texted in? Uh, everyone. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked by that. Yeah, that shocks me too. But man. Because that is a huge lead. 65 and the yeah, second is number but, two at 57. But how many of those were receptions? Because for a while we said around here, well, OU may not have a running game necessarily downhill, but they right. throw so many swing passes to DeMarco. It's basically like a running game. Like that, seriously, man. Yeah. Like, like when we're talking about 2010. Like, that was kind of OU's running game is just swing it out to DeMarco and get him out in space, which was obviously not a terrible idea. Right. Um, he is, I was just looking at this, receptions in a, in a career by running backs. Number one, this is, this is pretty impressive. Number one, Quentin Griffin. Not, would not have thought that. 169. Nice. I know you love that. Number two, DeMarco Murray with 167. Two between the, the, the two guys. The next closest is Trey Millard with 70. Jeez. So those two are number one and number two by a huge margin. But you are correct. Uh, DeMarco Murray, 13 career receiving touchdowns. That's pretty big. 1,500 yards career receiving. That's number one. Yeah. It's pretty impressive, man. He had a um, guy. I mean, he's considered one of the best of his decade. Maybe not in school history. I, maybe even in some circles, like Demarco Murray is even a little bit underrated in terms of what he accomplished. Man, I know that's that's kind of what I was looking at. Here's another pretty interesting stat: reception in a season for running backs. Demarco Murray's number one with 71 receptions. Um, Quentin was the number two season with 64. He was the number three season with 51. DeMarco was the number four at 41. Joe Mixon is the first person to show up um, at 37 compared to number one is 71 by DeMarco. It's crazy, man. Joe Mixon was the first guy since DeMarco that could catch a ball out of the backfield. So. Uh, good point by the text line. All the shovel passes counted for Q. That's, <laughs> that's very true. Well, God, when's the last time OU uh, ran a shovel pass? Uh, they seem to work out pretty well back in the day. Yeah, it's been a while, but I don't want to hear any of that mess because that stupid little touch pass on the quick counts for wide receivers, all right? Yeah, I, I hate that too. They come mm-hmm. in motion and they quarterback just basically throws it up in the air and it counts as a pass. That's right. So quarterbacks and wide receivers get credit for that as a reception. couple other news and notes uh, out of college football. SMU will announce plans for a $100 million football facility and expansion to Ford Stadium on Friday, thanks to the largest donation in athletics history. They have been an afterthought for quite some time when it comes to college football, but they are uh, they're kind of making some interesting moves down there. They got an aggressive staff. $100 million? Mm-hmm. A new football facility and expansion to uh, Ford Stadium. 
I don't. What is that? I don't even know what that stadium holds Not very now. Many. What's Not it very look many. like? Uh, it looks like your standard small college stadium, yeah. essentially. Wow. How about that? Um, pretty impressive that they're they're being able to generate that type of uh, of uh, attention and I guess the fan base energy being able to go get something like that. that's crazy. DJ Durkin's going to be the new DC at Texas A and M, which people are you know making some jokes about that, which is to be expected. What's the joke? Um, I like I even feel bad saying it honestly. Yeah. Um, killer hire is what people are saying. Oh, I just geez. feel dirty yeah. even saying that. It looks like June Jones is going to go back to Hawaii. Guy, you talk about like taking the LSU job would be odd in a lot of ways, but the Hawaii job, like Tech, some coaches at Tech who complained about like Tommy Tuberville, like man, you're really far out here, man. Yeah, imagine being the head coach at Hawaii and the closest, like the closest FBS school being as far away as it is, like a time zones away. You know, and let me just say that I I don't I don't necessarily hate this, but when you take the head coaching job. At, Hawaii, aren't you just basically saying, "Yeah, I'm done." Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm, I'm mailing it in. Though they've had some, I mean, they've had some pretty decent yeah. teams out there in the past. A time or two, when they get a, they've had a couple of really good quarterbacks come through, and they've been able to do some things. That was uh, when Alabama was on probation in the early 2000s. That it was a pretty baller move. It was okay. Well, um, we can't go to a bowl game. That's fine. We'll just go schedule a road game at Hawaii, the final game yeah, of the season. Let's go. Go and enjoy I, it. I think go out they, a week early. I think they may have went out there and uh, got beat. <laughs> so I know that's hard to imagine, but even the mighty Alabama was once a mediocre program. Wow. And it happened. It happened this uh, this century. If you know you're going to have a down year. Uh, just schedule a non-con out that's, at Hawaii. That's what Muleshoe should do this year, you know? Yeah. Have a little game at Hawaii, <laughs> but he, he'd lose that one. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Stay tuned. It is the rush on the ref, and we call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is... Derrick Henry's back. Uh, NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. It's going to be a fun one against the uh, the Titans and the Bills. What do you? What role the you Bengals? think... Titans and Bengals. Uh, Titans and Bengals. What do you think the, the role um, Derrick Henry plays is going to be? Think it's going to be limited? You think he's going to be full on, ready oh, to go? I, I, I mean, if he's back, he's their best player. It's the playoffs. I think he's going to be a full go, man. Um, now, if... 
Tennessee gets up 24 to nothing, then you know maybe they hold him back a little bit. But I expect it to be a close game. I, I think Derrick Henry... Tennessee's all in for the Super Bowl this year, man. I mean, you're, you're the one seed with home field advantage throughout. I don't think that you can just lightly go about it with your best player. You've got to go all in. And if they don't go all in with him, they'll be criticized for it for, for years, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you see that Tom Brady is older than all the other three head coaches in the NFC still left in the playoffs? That's not <laughs> shocking at all, you know. Uh, Matt LaFleur, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. now that I think about it, that does not shock me at all. He's probably, if the Cowboys would have won, he's probably about the same age yeah. as an uh, old boy that used to, to coach up there at Green Bay, Mike McCarthy. That's funny. Um, I saw this. Harbaugh on a recruiting visit, busting out some squats. That was pretty funny. I guess he's in a high school weight room. He's in a like a long sleeve dress shirt, button up shirt, like uh, dress pants, and <laughs> sitting there doing squats. I, I actually prefer Jim Harbaugh winning college football games in a lot of them because his dorky side really tends to come out the more games that he wins. So let's see him rattle off another eleven and one next year, please. Unless he's going to the NFL. It's just he is he's one of the guys that at times his dorkiness is it's fun it can be it can be fun at times for him um I thought it was uh I thought it was interesting Aaron Rodgers he's been pretty vocal and he's he's now he's coming after the administration um I guess on his his typical opportunity with uh his buddies on the – I think he made this on the uh, podcast that he's usually on. And he hammered the administration for lying. Uh, when the president of the United States says this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated and it's because him and his constituent uh, – he, he goes on and on. But he's not backing off of, of that spot that people were highly critical of him throughout the season and – uh, you know, as more and more teams get eliminated and there's more focus individually on him and his team, it doesn't look like he's going to shy away from that conversation. Well, he better watch out because Dick Butkus is on Twitter and he just got verified and he sent out a tweet earlier today like, hey, now that I'm verified, does that mean I can remove people on here? You hear me, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers? So watch I saw out, that. man. I saw that. Uh, Dick Butkus coming in strong on Twitter. Um that's all I had. Did you have anything? Yeah. Um, do you believe in true love? Well, sure. Yeah. It, I don't know, man. It, it's really hard for me to believe in true love today because Pamela Anderson just filed from divorce for her fifth husband. That's right. Wow. Pamela Anderson once again is filing from divorce. Of course, we remember Tommy Lee from 95 to 98. That was actually her longest marriage. Then she went from Kid Rock to uh, 06 to 07. Rick Salomon, 07 to 08. And then Rick again in 14 and 15. Now she is divorcing Dan Hayhurst. The couple was married from 2021 to 2022. Pam just cannot seem to find something that lasts, man. What's the issue... Um, I, I guess you got to say with all of, um, typically you would say that if someone continues to get divorced, they are probably the problem, but 
Like whenever you throw Kid Rock and you know some of the the yeah, names, yeah, her, her in picker there. is is broken for sure. <laughs> right. Like, oh, she got divorced from Tommy Lee in the '90s. Who would have thought? Yeah, I shocker. really thought that that one was going I, to last. I can't necessarily blame that. Kid on her. Rock, really? Seriously, that one didn't work out, huh? Dang. So I I don't know. It it's interesting though. What do you think the problem is? I think her picker is is broken, man. That's that's what I think. Now I'm sure that she is at fault too, but she really liked the the rock star guy at first. Well, yeah. if you want to look at the least faithful men that are out there, uh, those rockers from like the '80s and, and, and certainly like the '90s and everything, you're you're not gonna get you're not gonna get faithful love out of those guys. So I don't I don't Probably know not. I don't know what she expected there. No, uh, hate that, but hey. I guess it's good news for uh, some folks out there. Pam Anderson's on the open market. Yeah, good luck, fellas. Rock superstar Meatloaf is oh. dead at the age of 74. That one hit a lot of people hard. Including yeah. you, man. You just leaned back in well, your chair. I didn't know you were that big of a Meatloaf fan. I, I'm Well, I'm not necessarily. I, I, don't, I don't listen to much of his music. I know a couple of his songs. Um, I know him best from Fight Club, honestly. <laughs> I, Steely was showing me today a clip where he and Gary Busey are fighting. It's really kind of a one-way argument. Like a real fight? Gary Busey stole one of his sponges, and Gary Busey has like this white flat bill hat that he's wearing <laughs> like crooked, which that in itself is hilarious. I forget what it's from, but meatloaf, every other word is an F-bomb to Gary Busey. It's it's pretty incredible. And I'm guessing Gary Busey is confused by the whole yeah, situation. Yeah, oh, I, I, I just thought it was available to everyone, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Last one I have. Uh, Texas Tech fans, we normally make fun of you, but you're awesome. They found the online code for the Texas Texas Tech basketball game coming uh-huh. up in a few weeks. And basically, Tech fans bought all the tickets to the basketball game in Austin, leaving uh, UT fans with no opportunities at all to buy them. Chris wow. Beard was at Tech last year. He went to their biggest rival, Texas. So I don't know if they're going to show up in Austin in droves. But or, Texas or fans won't be. Texas fans won't be because there's no tickets available now. Tech fans bought them all. Wow! So Pretty those awesome. who can make the trip are going. Those who can't are doing their part and exactly. providing an empty seat. It's gonna be 90-10 Tech fans. That's in there. great. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Cavens Construction, bringing you hour number two of the rush on this Friday. Air Cover Solutions, text line 651-3439. I love this one from Chase in Orange County. My late father-in-law was married 13 times. He was a lawyer slash professor in Mexico City, and the man was a Casanova. Crying face emoji, beers emoji, (laughs) thumbs up emoji. Wow. 13 times. I... (sighs) See, 
and no offense, I just think he's dumb. Yeah. Yeah, like, what's the number where you're like, all right, clearly I wasn't made out for this. Right. <laughs> Somewhere in between four and five, not 13. But here's the other thing. Whenever you're going to be wife number 10, I I got to kind of say that you're dumb too at some point. Yeah, like, unless, unless he hit the pass somehow, but I hear you. It's crazy. that yeah. But, hey, I don't know. Maybe the laws are different in Mexico if um, – because it could it could be financially devastating to go through thirteen divorces. It could be financially devastating to go through one divorce. Teddy, for <laughs> That's 13. right. Bama stole that idea from Barry Switzer. We kind of sucked in '83. Back then, if you would schedule at Hawaii, NCAA would let you play twelfth game. We closed at Hawaii, got a bit of the Liberty Bowl. We turned it down, said it didn't pay enough to cover travel expenses. Told the players they got their quote trip. Yeah. Would you be, um, since you were on the broadcast crew? I mean, your, your, I mean, your whole way there would be paid for. Would you be for or against a game at Hawaii? Just because of the long travel that would take place, you'd probably I, only be out there two days at the most. I I would do. I guess it depends. I is the other option. Going nowhere, I would take that. Then going to Hawaii over the the holiday. I don't know. It's maybe it would be fine. I I don't know. It doesn't excite me, honestly. Yeah. I'd rather be playing in a meaningful bowl game and I don't care where it is. I think it would be the biggest tease of all time. Like, yeah, we're going to Hawaii. And I I know that they had plans to build a new stadium out there. Um, Aloha Stadium is a dump in Honolulu. It's you're in Hawaii and that sounds great, but you're there for a football game and you know you're not going to be hanging out at the beach all that much or anything. Right? Yeah, I I don't know. It to me it it's not worth the hassle if it's meaningless. I guess that's that's me. But I'd like to go out there for a big time bowl game. I don't know if this is true. I've never heard this. Marcus Dupree, that was one reason why he went to OU because Hawaii was on the schedule. You schedule the Hawaii game for Labor Day weekend. Okay. I, I wish that I, I wish that, that was one thing. And I am in no way criticizing how Joe Castiglione has scheduled non conference games. He's done it. Fabulous right. job with that. He's done exceptional. But it would be cool if there was some sort of a Labor Day tradition every single year. Not neutral site games, but a you know a trip to Vegas every once in a while or a cruel road trip, something like that. Like a game that you're not afraid of losing, but a game that's in a cool location. You can get a good three day week out of it, and you know a, yeah. a game that is somewhat kind of a kind of a gimme. Yeah. Here's the problem with that, and I hear you, but it's the almighty dollar, man. I know, and you've got to, you've got to, you got to have as many home games as you can. I know. So it would be cool, but don't get your hopes up. I, I guess I just want to play at Allegiant Stadium against UNLV in Vegas just one time, just one time on a Labor Day weekend, of course. You want to get some people fired up for that game? A neutral side against the University of Southern California. Woo! Vegas. Now we're talking, buddy. 
for a season that, opener. That would be – I'm serious. That would be like an 80-20 OU crowd. OU fans would flock to Vegas for the opportunity. Right. It didn't matter where the game was at. OU fans would be there if they play SC. That would be awesome. All right, quick timeout. Final hour of the rush is coming up next. Stay with us.